1: Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal.
2: Eddie Trunk Podcast is on the air or on your download or on your device or on your stream or however the hell you're listening, however you're connecting and getting the podcast. It's on. And thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, to another week. Of course, that great guitar music there that you hear at the open of every show, courtesy of my friend Mark Slaughter. We thank him for that. And we've got another big, big, triple-headed Eddie Trunk Podcast for you which, of course, new ones post every Thursday via PodcastOne.com and iTunes. And, of course, like all the interviews you hear during the podcast, they originate and happen live on my show on SiriusXM Satellite Radio, which is called Trunk Nation. If you have SiriusXM, listen every day live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Always on demand as well on the SiriusXM app. Get involved in the show. Listen on Channel 106. You get a little taste, just a tiny taste here on the weekly podcast of what we do every day there on volume. So I hope you join me. If you don't have SiriusXM, a- Sirius look into it, and hope you guys will come on board and join us for it. So anyway, uh, here we go, getting ready to uh, fire up three interviews for you, all of which came from the same show. It was a show that I did in Houston, Texas, exactly a week ago. I had a great time in Houston. I was there for a private appearance, uh, hosting a private event, actually. And while I was there, I had a chance to interview some people that were also playing the private event. Those people included D. Snyder, Robert Mason, who's the current singer in Warrant, and also Stephen Piercy of R.A.T. I want to thank everybody at the House of Blues in Houston who came down and hung out with me last week and sat in on some of these broadcasts that were done with a live studio audience at the House of Blues. I want to thank all the guests who dropped by and joined me for it. And it was fun hosting the private gig that night on that Thursday night. And then Friday night hosted a show that was a public show with Piercy that he played at a club called Tumbleweeds in Houston. So it was a really good couple of days in Houston, got a lot of work done and saw a lot of cool people and got to hang out with a lot of cool people. And like I said, uh, got to have a great show of Trunk Nation with three guests dropping by. And it's kind of interesting what happened because the show, as you're about to hear with each guest, sort of ramped up. Where things started out with Steven Piercy, who is a great guy and and, and all, but he's uh, always a, you know, Kind of laid back, typical sort of Southern California, cool, chill sort of guy. So he starts the conversation off talking about Rat, talking about solo stuff. Then it shifts to Robert Mason, who is an old, old friend. He sang with Lynch Mob, sang with Cry of Love. Like I said, he's been in Warrant now, two studio records with them. An old friend from Jersey. So we have a great chat with him, and then he brings it up a notch. Tells a great story about his time singing off stage for Ozzy Osbourne, and then we close out <laughs> with D. Snyder shot out of a cannon. I mean, D. brought it like he always brings it, and we talked about all sorts of stuff in like a a whirlwind twenty minutes that you will not soon forget. So this was really a lot of fun, and I thought I'd bring you for this week's podcast. The entire show, pretty much. I mean, not exactly what happened. Again, if you have SiriusXM, you heard this live and you can hear the entire show. But the interview portions of that show that I will bring to you exactly how they rolled out in Houston a week ago for this week's podcast. And a lot of it's very timely and a lot of it's fun and a lot of it's interesting. And I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoy doing it. And uh, again, I hope you join me every day on Volume for a lot more content, discussion, calls, and all that sort of good stuff as well. So we're already getting uh, close to the end of August here. I know in some parts of the country, kids are back to school already. Uh, Here in New Jersey, the kids don't go back until after Labor Day, so they get out later and go back a little bit later. But, man, the summer blew by, getting ready for football season. Can't wait for that. Got some appearances coming up. September 16th, Irisburg, Vermont. Big festival happening there, Shrinedom. It's a uh, a charity event for the Shriners Hospital. And it features Warrant and Firehouse and Lita Ford. And added to that bill recently, Vince Neal and Slaughter, amongst others. So get ready for that. If you're in Vermont, September 16th, I'll see you there for that. Also, the D.O. Cancer Fund bowling event is coming up. That's October 6th. At Pins in Studio City. Always fun to host that. Look forward to seeing you there. Come down and support a great cause if you are in that area of the country. As usual, all of my appearances as they get closer and as they are confirmed are on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Be sure to follow on social media as well at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So let's get to it because we got a lot to get into this week with three guests over the course of this podcast. We'll go with uh, Piercy, talking rat, talking solo stuff, segueed into Robert Mason, some great Aussie stories, some great stories about Warrant and much more, and his relationship with Janie Lane, who, of course, he replaced in the band. And then we transition into D Snyder. And I asked D exactly why he's making records and still playing live shows all over the place when he decided he he wanted to end Twisted Sister and what that's all about. Stick around and you'll get his answer shortly as well. So it's a great Eddie Trunk podcast this week, a three-headed monster coming your way. We'll get into it right after this.
1: The Eddie Trunk Podcast.
2: Hey, are you guys hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Well, with ZipRecruiter, they can help you out. ZipRecruiter can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click, and then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job because, of course, you want the right people, Right. And ZipRecruiter does that better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails, calls to your office. You simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter is... Has been used to uh, buy businesses, I should say, of all sizes. Of all sizes, you can use Zip Recruiter. Find out the most qualified job candidates, get immediate results. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on Zip Recruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ziprecruiter.com slash trunk, T R U N K. That's ziprecruiter.com slash trunk one more time try it for free what do you got to lose ziprecruitercom com slash trunk
1: hbo's game of thrones is back for its seventh season winter is finally here and so are the white walkers will the seven kingdoms of westeros
3: survive the threat from the north or will they fall in the looming war for the iron throne after you're done watching an episode join the discussion here on the game of thrones after show on podcast one
1: Every week, our hosts discuss each episode in detail, from shocking twists to fan theories, as the series chronicles the violent struggle among the realm's noble families for ultimate power. Join the fray every week on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
2: All right, we're back with the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We now go to the House of Blues in Houston, where I was exactly a week ago last Thursday to do my volume radio show from that building, and I had three guests drop by. We started with a conversation with Stephen Piercy, who was there to play. Uh, all the artists you're about to hear were there to play the, a private show at the House of Blues that night. Piercy also had his own public solo show the following day. So we begin the conversation with the voice of rat, Stephen Piercy, on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Two old friends here to my left, the voice of rat, Mr. Stephen Piercy. Good to see you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. And to my right... We have uh, a man that I go back decades with, a fellow Jersey brother, even though he's not even Jersey anymore because he's lived <laughs> in
3: Arizona so long. And I was born in the Bronx, so it's kind of, I spent that middle period in New Jersey. Yeah, and that's, come yeah, on, so.
2: man. We got to, you know. That's i was just specific. I, don't loo- I lose my cred. You lose your cred, although I just had Mark Tornillo on the show the other day. I knew that. And he mentioned you because I said to him, you know, he's a replacement guy in accept. And yes. I said, how have you been able to handle. You know, being the guy that replaced a, a well known guy, did you ever reach out to any other singers? And uh, talk to them and commiserate about how difficult that can be. And he goes, I had some conversations with Robert Mason. Yeah. In a positive way. You know, all all good stuff. Well, Mark
3: and I know each other about as long as you and I know each other. So, yeah. And he's done
2: an amazing job fronting except?
3: Every time. Actually, I text him a few times a year just to give him those little affirmations of, damn, dude, right on. Yeah. and As
2: as you've done an amazing job fronting Warren. Thank you. And a little different circumstances for you because... Obviously. Except you,
3: does not have a song called Cherry Pie, to the best of my <laughs> recollection. That is correct. <laughs> there are differences.
2: Can you imagine Except doing a cover? Except should do a cover of Cherry Pie. I'm bringing Pie. Mark up next to That's time a great I'm, idea.
4: That could actually sound okay with Udo and if
2: it was Udo. Th- that could be a pretty cool idea. Could you imagine Except doing Cherry Pie like a real. I'm texting Mark as with Udo. <laughs>
4: He's, like, alienated, isn't he? I, I
2: no, know. he's doing his own all-accept tour. Mm. Udo is doing... Except he's not an except. <laughs> he's not accepted. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all like day. Like I said, let the shenanigans but begin. he's the boy. All right. Steven. Yes, sir. First of all... What? I didn't do uh, it. Congratulations on... All these killer shows you've been doing with Rat. Thank you. I mean, yeah. you've got you've done some big stuff, mm. some big festivals, including you were out of the country playing recently, right? Yeah, it
4: was amazing. Where we was that at? To, uh, uh, what was that gig called? Um, I, I couldn't tell you. To the top of my head, we've just been gone, you know.
2: What country were you
4: in? Um, tell me, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to look. I just get on the boat, plane, bus whatever and go.
2: Did Rat back in the day do a lot of stuff outside of America? Because I don't tend to think, remember you guys going out of the country much.
4: No, we, we, we've done uh, Monsters of Rock with like Iron Maiden and, and certain bands and we really didn't. We stayed in Japan. It's like the Van Halen schematic. You know, until you figure out, hey, or whoever's controlling the boat.
2: So it was predominantly back in the day focused on US. America and Japan.
4: Yeah, and every now and then Festival.
2: How many times did you go to Japan?
4: oh God, every year. God, we spent like three weeks there one tour, just playing everywhere and anywhere in Nagoya, Osaka, Hiroshima, Tokyo. You just name it; you're just gone.
2: Why do you think the Japanese took to to rat so much? Do you think?
4: Um, hopefully music. But uh, you know, they they loved Robin because he was like this blonde giant. Over there. <laughs> So he got quite reputation, you know. They loved him out there.
2: How's it feel to be playing with these guys again with all the stuff that's gone on with Rat?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: A well documented drama, no need to rehash it again. But now you've got the band. Yeah. You guys are out there. You played mm-hmm. huge shows. You played M3, you played Rocklahoma, you played Rockfest, you've gone outside of the country, you're mm-hmm. playing on a regular basis. How's it feel? How's the chemistry?
4: It, it's good. It's getting your feet wet. It's the same bicycle. Just learn how to ride it again, you know. Um, we are having a good time, you know, it's just trying to do the right shows to, you know, reestablish the footing, you know. Um so we stopped September at Sturgis was our last show. Uh, I mean on the eighth. Which was um, just like a week yeah, ago. Yeah, a week ago or so. And we're gearing up for the next year. It's, we want some time to do it, to do it properly. We're talking about a record, we'll see what happens. It's been many years, and I've got the rest of my solo stuff to do. Uh, which tomorrow we're at Tumbleweeds with uh, you and Bullet, Bullet Boys yeah. and stuff here in Houston, and. You know, I have a handful of shows, and it's all great. You know, Solo shows for Smash. The record's re- really done cool, and we're happy. I'll end up doing another one. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, I know you yeah. put a lot into doing the solo yeah. record. I know you're very proud of it. Steven's new album, which is out now, is called Smash, and there's some great stuff on it. I remember a while ago, you sent me the song that's on Smash now, mm. I Can't Take It, mm. which was a you know, great song, which totally had a, a, a real sort of Rat vibe mm. to it. Well, it's also Bow Hill in there. You, you know, brought Bo producer. to work on that, right? Yeah,
4: he did that mixing, mastering and stuff. And that's what I had to step up to when he wasn't available to do the record. So that's why we took as long as we did. Right. You know, to make sure it was like, oh, shit, you am going to step up to this. Okay, let's go. And we did.
2: Yeah. So what's the biggest difference for you going out as you are now. You're out in solo band mode and you've got your solo band. Mm. You still play rat songs with your solo band, right? Sure, sure. So so how does it change for you?
4: Um, It's just a different sound, different breed of animal because I can play solo stuff, which I do, or I can play a Zep tune, a Priest tune, whatever turns, turns me on at that moment. You know, rats its own machine. You know, it's where my solo thing is more aggressive and let me go beat your ass. You know.
2: And you're down in dirt. I mean, Rat, we just talked about you played to some huge shows and some huge mm. festivals on bigger stages. Mm. With this band going out there solo, you're getting in the clubs, you're getting in smaller places. No, we've actually done some good shows. We just did a festival somewhere on a
4: street thing. was like 30,000 people out there. It was amazing, you know.
2: But it's, it's a different, you, like you said yourself, it's a different beast. So totally. you can kind of get, you get down, a little more down and dirty in 100%. front and connect
4: with the audience. I would we think. go or all, all bands fear to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're afraid we're not. Where's the craziest place you went with it? Everywhere. We always make a place. <laughs> up.
2: Who's in the solo band now?
4: Um, right now it's still Eric. Uh, Frankie is back. He's going to miss a show here. Uh, uh, um, Eric, obviously. Matt Thorne on bass. Old from Rough Cuff? Mickey Cut. Rat Rough Cuff alumni. And, right. And uh, s- s- right now we have Scotty Coogan from Ace Freely doing drums.
2: Who so is it. also a great singer.
4: Yeah. Well, he was in my solo band a, a, a while ago. Was yeah. he? Yeah. I
2: didn't yeah. know that.
4: For quite a while, yeah.
2: The Coogie Monster. He can sing, man. He, yeah. He's, he's got, great singer. He's got some pipes on him great. as well. I've seen him. I mean, he sings lead on mm. some of the stuff with Ace, some that of the high Zep, that stuff That Zep in the cover Zeppelin band stuff. he had was great. Yeah.
4: Three-piece, and he sang. Come on. Yeah. How weird is that? <laughs>
2: yeah, it is pretty weird. Uh, we can grab a call or two if you guys – I think my, my phone screening thing is working, but I'm not sure. We'll try to uh, – if it is working, I'll try to put up a call uh, for Steven as we're talking a little bit about Rat, and we're talking a little bit about – uh, his solo career and, of course, his solo album, which is out there now, again, called Smash. If you're in the Houston area, Stephen Pearcy's solo band playing tomorrow here in Houston at Tumbleweeds. And Bullet Boys are also on the bill. I'll mm-hmm. be down there as well and get the tickets at the door right up till showtime. And I think, didn't you, if, if they just go and mention my name, you're going to let them in? Is that what it, All right, here's, here's, here's the, how about that nice. for the people listening? If you want to go down to the show tomorrow night, go to, the, go to the front door and say Eddie Trunk, and that'll get you in. Most places, that'll get you punched in the face. That, that's a switch. It's got me thrown out of a couple yeah, of joints. Exactly. Yeah. Most places, that won't get you a cracker. You know who? But go to Tumbleweeds tomorrow if you're here in Houston yes. and say my name, and they're going to let you in the door to hang out with say us. Say my
4: name, say my name.
2: <laughs> so um, Rat is Rat done for the rest of the year then?
4: Yeah. We're, we're regrouping and, and preparing for next year, which is going to take time. Because, like I say, there's a record we're talking about and see what happens. But we have to regroup and, you know, prepare for the next assault.
2: Do you feel like you've successfully kind of reestablished what the band is right now? And, and did you feel you had to get out there and really let people know that, that this version mm. of the band was out there?
4: It, to a small extent. People know who we are. I don't. I don't. You know. But we did want to go out and do some festivals, the big shows. You know. And then we, other shows just started coming at us. You know. So we just, you know, try to keep things in, into perspective. But no, I think the story's told. It's over and done. Page. Psh, you know, if you want another nail on the coffin, we can do that too. Um, but it's all good. It's man.
2: What about the fan reaction? Tell tell me about it's what great. tell me about what you heard from fans when you got back out there started doing it.
4: What I hear from who I hear, um, it's great. People are having a good time. You know, we're we're actually we're very tight. We're tight out there. You know, you don't get Juan in myself and Warren with nucleus and not be tight. It can be loosely tight sometimes, but we're we're having fun. You know, some songs just just hit it off. You know, it's just. It's a good thing, you know. It's like going, I remember then. You know, so it's good.
2: Do you, are you one of these guys, I mean, I've talked about this all the time. Rat had and has so many amazing songs, such an incredible catalog. I think people sometimes forget mm. the amount of hits you guys had, how you lived on MTV, mm. and, and, and a, 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 just a, a plethora of huge songs. For you, singing them live all these decades mm. and now singing them in 2017, do you have highlights do you have things like i know for me as a fan i love when you play body talk i love when i hear back for more same lack of communication i
4: love i get off lay it down lay it down Uh, uh, um you're in love uh what you just mentioned uh body uh, talk body talk i love that too there's certain songs that just want to make you kick some ass you know yeah and those are a few of my best
2: and what about, uh, and in, you were doing In Your Direction, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, from, yeah, we that's still are. We, yeah,
4: we were. It was weird how we just, you know, I, like, I get involved with the set list, you know. I, I like to see the, syst, I mean, you know, the system from them, and then I go through it, and if it's fine, I just go, this is great. You know, Direction, you know, I wish we would do Trouble, You're in Trouble. And, oh, that's a great one, you know, too. Other songs. You know, insane, I mean that's another song that just I, just I love. think I saw you do you' insane play that song, it's, yeah, it's Robin all the way you know
2: who who picks the set list in rap who has i mean as this usually it defaults to the singer, which hmm. would be you but but is it a, is it a group thing or who, me, who writes it
4: out? I don't care. I just point out what I don't like you exit <laughs> you know I, give me whatever, I don't really give a shit, you know can you give us one you don't like that pops up on the list and you veto um. Yeah, Nobody Rides. You don't like that one? No, it ends up being fun halfway through the bottle, but, you know, it's just one of those songs that just doesn't, eh.
2: Point Break soundtrack, right?
4: Yeah, it's good. That was good on the phone. It's a great song, but, you know. It well, doesn't work just, live. I just kind of go, okay, I want to kick it up a notch.
2: And speaking of the current lineup of Rat, <clears throat> let me ask you this. Yeah. How's Jimmy DeGrasso worked out? As your drummer.
4: He's sat in pretty well there. He's a good, you know, he's a great guy, obviously, and he's a good drummer. Um, like I say, next year is a whole other ball game. All I know is we have the Nucleus and Carlos, and we just have to concentrate on other things now, the business and, and the new record. Um, and then what I do after that is, you know, a whole other story, but I'm just finishing out the smash year and... and take it from there. So it should be great in your year, year next year. Do
2: you think it's important for Rat to make a new record? I mean, a lot of people really loved Infestation. Mm. I know some of you guys felt that it could be better now looking mm. back on it. I that. do too. What, you, you, would you really like to do it for the, for the uh, history and the legacy of the band make another record?
4: I just make records. I have my own record label for a reason. I just love making records. Yeah. I think a record where people buy it or not, it's still the story, you know. Otherwise, we can whip out singles all day long. Warren and I have been writing You know, so we can do it all day, every day. But a record and a concept, you know, is is to me still important.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you one more thing before I. um,
4: That's why Smash is available on vinyl.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it is. Uh, Before I let you, you can hang, or before Mm -hmm. I wrap up with you, um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. I was curious about this. Did the the uh, a book came out recently, Running mm. with the Devil, which was written by Van Halen's manager. Right. Started out as tour manager, manager. Mm. And he talks in the book about Van Halen was originally before... When he was the tour manager, before he became the manager, Van Halen was managed by Marshall Burl. Correct. And he talks... He says Correct. about some really crazy things about Marshall Burl in that book. Mm. Um, he tell, he says that Marshall Burl shot video of David Lee Roth having... Sex with groupies and sent it to the Warner Brothers secretaries. He said Marshall Bur- Burl showed total disinterest <laughs> in Van Halen, which is why he became their manager because he really didn't care. You, mm. Marshall Burl was your manager I, during the heyday four of Brad. years,
4: Yeah, till till eighty three to um, eighty seven or eight, I believe. But he was great. I, I wish those are true stories about him sending those tapes. Because
2: <laughs> well, well, well,
4: he's a tripper, man, and meeting, you know, as we met Milton Berle through him and putting our videos. I mean, that's some unique folk right there. Yeah, you know? of course. That's, that's Hollywood stuff, you know. So it was fun. So I hope it's true. But <laughs> I don't know Monk like that, but I know Marshall, and we used to have great fun on the road, let me tell you, with him.
2: How did he end up becoming your manager? What was the connection? Because the way they painted, he had no interest in really managing Van Halen, so mm-hmm. you would think he didn't have a man, an interest in managing rock no, acts, was, but he, then he got with you guys. And
4: do you remember that Van Halen uh, uh, show, Dan the Green, where they flew in on the, the, the helicopter. parachutes and whatever? That yeah. was Marshall's idea, so yeah. go figure. All right, anyway. So all I know is we, we were like, doing our bit, I got us into certain places, managing the band, and then he saw us one night and he went, you know, I've been here before, obviously, the whiskey, and he made us an offer, do you guys want to do an EP? And we said, yes, of course. And that's how it started.
2: I just found it fascinating that this guy... Allegedly showed no interest in really caring about Van Halen. I don't
4: believe that. I don't believe that at yeah, all.
2: I found it hard to believe too, but they say that's, Noel says that's how he ended up becoming the manager after mm. two years because the, he, no, the he was, was at, largely absent.
4: I was around then. I, I knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, before I knew Marshall, you know. Uh, so I, I wouldn't know that aspect of it, but I doubt it. Marshall's a worker. He's not, he, I don't think, uh, I don't know, but I, know, I don't know Monk.
2: So Marshall has no uh, Stephen Piercy sex tapes anywhere that he's sitting on?
4: Probably <laughs> not. Maybe. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Put them out. <laughs> a bonus disc in the special de-
2: deluxe edition of Smash. Yeah, you no. get the Stephen Piercy sex tape. There you go. <laughs> a
4: little chip. You can...
2: Mm, oh man well again everybody check out Steven doing his thing with his solo band and if you're in uh, Houston you can see him tomorrow here in Houston at mm. Tumbleweeds with the Bullet Boys we always that's always a fun uh, fun mm. show and a fun double bill how many more solo dates for the rest of the year we have about uh,
4: six six more so if you go to my website stephen piercycom the tour dates are right there in the front and have at it you know
2: and the top fuel world what do you got cooking
4: mm. Well, I'm going to get the label fired up again here real quick. But we're actually concentrating on what's going down with Solo and the band Rat and stuff. And we're looking forward to a a ass kicking... Eighteen. Yeah, you, you were know. one of the
2: you were one of the earlier guys, man, that I ever remember in the, in the hard rock world doing their own record label and doing mm-hmm. their own production company like you have with mm-hmm. Top Fuel. I thought that was you always you were a little ahead of the curve on that.
4: Well, I did it in '95 because I knew things were slowing down there after the arcade thing. I saw everything kind of got goofy, and I was like writing songs for movies and stuff, right? Uh, NHRA and that. Mm-hmm. So I decided just to create something that I can do and. You know, like Smash, I license it out, and that's what I do, you know.
2: Right. Um, Well, it's very cool. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's good to see you busy. It's good to see Rat doing their thing. And I hope you guys do another record because I think that, uh, I think Infestation, a lot of people thought that was a solid record. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to see where that all goes. I think it's uh, awesome what you got. The shows I've seen that you've done have been awesome. Thanks to Steven Piercy. Our first of three guests live from the House of Blues on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. we got to take a break. We'll come back and be joined by Robert Mason, the singer of Warrant, next. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, I've been telling you guys about Blue Apron for a while, and we truly do love it here at the Trunk Household. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery delivery service in the country, and there's a reason for that, because Blue Apron has incredibly high standards. Uh, they do an amazing job, uh, partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S., so they've got great, great quality food Great beef, chicken, pork, fish. It's all from uh, great sources, great quality, great taste. It's fun. You get these great recipes, Uh, Blue Apron chips, the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe. So you're reducing food waste as well. And it really is tremendous. You get to cook with your family. You get all sorts of uh, great recipes that change all the time. You can tweak the things that you want. For those that spend a lot of money at restaurants or at high-end grocery chains, try this out. You can spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal you make yourself with great quality uh, products via Blue Apron. Some upcoming meals include basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella, meatball pizza with fresh fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes, whole grain pasta, summer vegetables, heirloom tomato caprese salad. Man, sounds good, right? It's really a lot of fun. My kids love when that box shows up. They get to dig into it, pull all those ingredients out, look at the recipes, and cook away. Check out this week's menu, and listen to this. You can get your first three meals free with free shipping, totally free. Go to BlueApron.com slash Trunk, E-D-D-I-E-T-R-U-N-K. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals With Blue Apron, so don't wait. Blueapron.com slash Eddie Trunk. Blueapron.com slash Eddie Trunk. Blue Apron, you know it, a better way to cook.
1: Hey, have you heard? Podcast One has a whole bunch of awesome new shows filled with big names that are waiting for you on our brand new amazing app. This one's a game changer. There's Norman Lear talking to Amy Poehler, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Charles Barkley. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted with Brian Cranston, Josh Gad, and soon, Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. OC Real Housewife, Heather Dubrow's World, Lady Gang's Three Mimosa Podcast with Leah Michelle, Nelly Furtado, L. King, and more. Plus, every episode of The Adam Carolla Show, Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen. And if you like what happens in the ring, we've got Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Chael Sonnen, and a whole bunch more. So download our Of a kind new app and see for yourself. Go to the App Store, Google Play, or download it now at podcastone.com. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
2: So now uh, we had some time with Stephen Piercy and we're going to talk to Robert Mason, who has been the singer in Warrant for how many years now? Since September of. Two thousand eight, and I was there when the Robert Mason era of <laughs> Warren was born. Oklahoma. <laughs> I will never forget this as long as I live, because we all know that as uh, as talented and as beloved as Janie Lane was, yes. he was a troubled guy, especially in his later years. And warrant was booked to play Oklahoma. And it was just after Janie had had that uh, incident. On, I think it was in Vegas where he was not all there on stage. To headline Saturday night at Rocklahoma. So Warren was booked to yeah. headline a Saturday night at Rocklahoma. So. A couple weeks after that uh, incident happened with Janie, that was all over YouTube and everything. And I remember standing in the parking lot backstage at Rocklahoma, and Joey Allen is there getting his gear out, and he was really in a knot because he was not sure. He said, you know, you have no idea what it's like to go out on the stage to do a gig and not know if your singer is going to be all there and be able to do the gig. And he said, we're, um, we're really concerned because at that point, Janie had only been in rehab a couple of weeks. They didn't feel it was enough. They didn't know if they were going to be able to get through a full headline set with him and in what condition. And, and Joey said to me, he goes, you know, we're going to start looking for people backstage in the next few hours that if we have an issue and Janie can't get through the set, can step in and help out. Yeah. And while he's telling me that, <laughs> about As tw- would have 20 it. feet away, I see Robert walking through the parking lot because you were there playing with another band. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we both kind of looked and said... Without even speaking, and Joey just goes... Who's the blonde dude? Robert! No. Get over here. <laughs> and then you guys had a conversation. You didn't end up singing with the band that night, did you? I don't no, remember. No,
3: Janie came in uh, at the literal 11th hour and, uh, and was able to do the show. But yeah, I, I did see that this is... Hand, hand to God. Hand to Starbucks. Uh, you could, I could not have told that story better than you just did.
2: Well, because I was—I mean, I've known you forever, and we all just looked, yeah. and it just kind of clicked. Like, hey, hey, yeah, make yeah. sure Robert's close to the stage. <laughs> what was the conversation? I was not there when Joey had the conversation with you about it. What did he say exactly? First word was "dude." <laughs> uh,
3: because we had toured together, Lynch Mob had supported Warren Arenas in '92, '93. So that's when we really got to know each other. Uh, the brief history is. Uh, I met Lane when we were recording the Lynch Mob record living in Los Angeles for you know part time to, to make that record as you do and we became fast friends and hung out a lot during that tour so I was kind of a legacy and I hadn't you know I'd kept up with a few of them and Lane So you were you were friend, the years. friendly with Jane uh, Absolutely yes. Yeah. Oh we were like, on tour we were inseparable yeah. at, at the expense of the regular band. Yeah. Like I you know I rode a few nights The lynch mob guys, their bus would say, nah, we're taking off, and I would ride to the next city in the warrant bus. I've done that. So we were actually friends. Uh, Joey explained the situation pretty much the way you did. I I know this is an actual, I did say, he, he did say to me, so, like, how many of our songs do you think you know? And I said, uh, I know probably two. How many times do you need me to sing them? <laughs> and I mean, that's honest. That and I did say that. that, although it was did... a joke. Yeah. What were the two? Uncle Tom's and Cherry Pie, probably like that. I could actually get through.
2: Right. That you wouldn't need Just some lyrics written out or things like that. Yeah,
3: they're they everywhere. I mean, and that's and I'm making half a joke about it about a very serious situation. But you're right. He was terrified. I I showed up the next morning. Uh, I had to go to a sound check quite early, and they were doing an early sound check because they were the closer for Saturday night. I, after my short line check, I ran over to the, uh, to the main stage and saw everybody else that morning, except for Lane, who had not shown up yet, and I got the same thing. I got, dude, and the same story from Dixon and Turner and Steven. So, you know, that's, that's accurate. Uh, after that, I started getting a couple of phone calls here and there from every band member, I think over the next few weeks. And it turned into the thing where, you know, I think everything, like you said, everything's on YouTube. Uh, Lane really wasn't handling being a live singer very well. And eventually around Labor Day or so, Joey called me up and said, man, this is, you know, it's a, it's a great call for me to make to you, but it's a horrible phone call for me to make. Do you want to be in a band? I think we've made a decision. And I said, well, let's get together and, you know, date
2: for a minute. Because it was tough for you. It was, it was a strange decision for you because you called me. You and I had a lot of conversations. You, yeah. I remember vividly you calling me more than one time and saying, hey, I need some help here. I want to run some stuff by you because you had mixed emotions about it.
3: Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's, you don't want to see any of your friends falling down. I guess that's the... You know, it's the simplest way to put it. But uh, but I know that I, I saw f- four out of five guys on stage for the right reasons, having fun, and I was a fan first, and we had toured together. There were all these things in the pro column, you know what I mean, as right. you pro and con your life. And when they called me, they, they needed a guy, and I'm a guy. You know, and, and I, I think as history has turned out, you know, it's it's been okay. So. It's
2: been great. I mean, listen, I, you you can be humble about it and say it's been okay, but it's been amazing. I think you've done an amazing job no, in the band. Thank you've you. You've always been a phenomenal singer and frontman. And uh
3: here's your check, Ed. Here's you, well,
2: no, I'm saying it because I mean it, and I, I've I go back with Robert for I kind of teased about it earlier, but I literally go back to like 30 years ago, and Robert on the Jersey Club scene, and then, of course, Robert did a phenomenal record with a phenomenal band, Cry of Love, as well. Thank you. The second record from Cry of Love is killer. Um, So you've done some great stuff, but it's great for you, after all these years, to see you have a real place to hang your hat, put down some real roots, and put your stake in the ground as the singer in this band. And I've done two records now. Two really good records, too. Louder, Harder, Faster, which is the new one, and uh, Rockaholic, which was the previous one. Yeah. Was that important to you, that your history and warrant also included original music? Of course. It adds validity. Uh, it allows us
3: to collectively and me individually, you know, stretch your creative muscles. It's singing the back catalog is great. And there are fans, I mean, really, really cool fans that stuck with the band. And new ones every day, it seems, And because of, you know, songs on either film soundtracks or video games or whatever, you know, there was a reemergence of of that quote unquote nostalgic music for new fans or the kids of original fans. You know, if you live through it the first time and you have all those memories, that's a great fan, right. but somebody gets turned onto it and is excited by something that's more than 20 years old is crazy for me to think about, you know, m- that I get to go up and do my best to energize these people and make them, you know, it's, it's, I think the band just is all around having a good time and it's a it's just an American rock band. You can you can put it in a time period like we talked about last week and you know put a put an hang a name on it if you want, but come on man, I'm I'm a singer in a rock band. Right. And my main objective is to get up there and just sh- show people by example that they're allowed to have as much fun as we're having on stage. Right. And that was the thing I saw, the potential in that band. And that's why they you know, quote unquote needed me to do, you know, to do what I do. Uh, but like I said, the back catalog singing those songs that everybody knows the words by heart, amazing.
2: And what, it's do you, super what do you what do you what do you like singing the best from the back catalog? What are some of your favorites? God, we love I you know, I love doing a lot of stuff off Doggy Dog, Hole in my wall. You did We're hole in doing... my wall the other night. I was with Warren oh, last cool. weekend and and that was killer hearing you play that in Oakdale.
3: I love doing that and machine gun. I mean that was the Record that I went and toured on the Doggy Dog Tour. Right. So we would finish Lynch Mob set. I'd go grab a shower, go to catering, run upstairs, and go stand on you know stage left or stage right. Usually stage left and monitor World or whatever, and watch the Warrant set. So isn't life weird?
5: Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah.
3: So uh, there, there's just Janie was such a great songwriter and a great frontman as well. I. I do my damnedest every night to do that as, as faithful justice as I'm, as I'm able. Uh, I like doing the new stuff, too. I like that challenge of having a song that people perhaps haven't heard ever and in one listen have them hopefully, you know, at the very least, you know, banging their head a little bit at the very most, screaming the chorus along with me at the end.
2: Yeah. You talked about the fact that you had a relationship with Chaney Lane and you were in the band, obviously, for a few years before he passed away. Did you ever have any? Uh, did, did he ever comment to you, or did you have any interactions with him while while he was alive and you were the singer?
3: Do you know the answer to this already? And you're
2: just no, this honestly, your I don't. Show Ed. No, I honestly don't. Um, well, one thing there was. Imagine yeah. it might have been weird.
3: Oh, understatement. Right for four hundred. Thank you. <laughs> wow.
2: But I don't know. Maybe you know, like I talked about. You uh, know, I'll give you an example on that. I'll give you a, a parallel yeah. example. Okay. Chester Bennington told me that when he was in Stone Temple Pilots, he was a huge fan and a friend of Scott Weiland's. Yeah, and when he got the gig, when they were, when of course Scott was still alive as well, they had a, they still maintained a relationship, but it certainly was a little bit different. Of course. So that's obvious, but I'm wondering how it was for you. Uh, I think Janie had a certain.
3: Reticence and a and a and regret. I don't know if that's those are even the right words to use at this point. But uh, but I know he had, like you said, his demons. He was in one way I had his blessing, and we did speak. In another way, I know he went back and forth with, you know, regret and and a little bit of. it's hard. Feelings is too short to wait to explain it. But for the sake of that, there was probably a little of that as well. Right. Uh, You know, there are things, it's funny, the guys in my band are way too classy to sling mud and to their credit will never tell, you know, like dirt stories. I'm a firm believer in that keep it, you know, keep it in the family and out of the press and every little thing doesn't need to be just talked about. Right. Um, But I will say that there were moments where it was tense between us. Uh, there was a show. You remember the show because you talked about it on uh, either man on on the TV show or on radio. Probably it both, might have
2: been that metal show. I remember with Great
3: White, where he was actually filling in for Jack. Yeah, when Jack was sick and playing on the same bill with us and supporting Warren.
2: Right. Yeah. That's uh a...
3: so seeing him at Soundcheck was a little tense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting spot. I understand all sides of it. Um, people talk about, you know, I remember, and I've told this story before with that metal show, I was put in a tough spot because at the time, you had just released your first album with Warren. Rockaholic had come out. And the, the uh, you guys were obviously hitting me up to come on that metal show to promote the record, as one would. And on the other side, Jamie was out doing whatever he was doing. Yeah and his camp was hitting me up to come on. So I brought both scenarios to the, to the network, to VH1 Classic at the time, and they said, well, let's have Janie Lane on. Because of course, the guy whose face is on all the videos, that's where they went, and that was the direction they chose to go in. Now, the following season, we ended up having you on. And Dixon and I came on. And, and you and Jerry came on. And Lemmy. I mean, it
3: was amazing. And I he, had fun.
2: Here's, here's the thing. Did I ever say thank you for that? No, thank you for you're that. ungrateful. Prick you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this interview is over. That's it. Cut, cut this guy's mic. But no, but uh, my point is where I was going with that is that in retrospect, That was a tough call for me to make because you guys are all friends and I don't make that call. And I know you had a new record to promote, but the network made the final decision. In retrospect, it turned out to be a great decision because if it would have went the other way, Janie passed away two weeks after we did that TV interview with him. So if it had gone the other way, we would have never had him on. And I know I've heard from his family and, and his fans that they were really appreciative that we had him on and showed him respect during that show. So... Uh, it all ended up working out in the end. But, yeah, it was, it, it was, I imagine it's a little different. As tragic as it is, and I've said this to you, as tragic as it is that he's gone, it's a different scenario, and I'm sure you feel this, as a guy replacing somebody, when that guy is, the, the, the aura of that guy is still hovering, and he could potentially come back, and they could still do the reunion play, Right. and when the person's no longer alive, and that element is lifted out of the equation... It, I think it, it, it makes it a little easier for guys like you. Uh, you yeah, agree? I, in that aspect, of course. You know, that's an obvious, you know. Because can't, fans can't be saying, oh, that's not, you know, the guy's got, you've got, you got to bring this guy back. We hear that all the time about every band in the world. They've got to reunite with this guy. I do it. I mean, we're all guilty of it because it's how we feel as fans. But the people that still say, I'm a Bon
3: Scott guy, not a Brian Johnson guy. Like, people will say that.
2: Yeah. Forever
3: and ever, amen. They just will.
2: Yeah. And then there's people in the world of ACDC, they don't even know who Bon Scott (laughs) is. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, they they started with You Shook Me All Night Long. Yeah, yeah. They have no clue. Hey, one other thing I want to hit you with. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Dee Snyder's supposed to be coming soon, but for people that don't know, another little part of Robert Mason's history that's really interesting is Robert Mason— I paint, I sculpt,
1: (laughs) I write poetry.
2: Robert Mason was on tour with Ozzy Osbourne. The one and only— as a backing man-behind-the-curtain singer. Yes. The Osmosis Tour?
3: That even now gets laughs out in your audience here. There is somebody the, chuckled at it. I don't know
2: why that's funny, because <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think it's much better. I've said this many, many times. Ma'am, stop laughing. If you need help live, whether it's backing vocal, lead vocal, whatever, I think it's much better to have a human being doing it than what so many bands today, which is running tracks and machines and, and loops and all that sort of stuff and fake recordings. So, so talk about that experience. That Was Joe Holmes the guitar player on that show? Yes, it was the Osmosis record that
3: Zach had recorded, and then uh, it was Dean Castronova on drums on the record. And Dean had started the tour, but Joe Holmes was hired to be the, the guitar player. So when I got on the... Okay, I'll tell the Joe story. Joe Holmes
2: is a beast of a guitar oh player. God. Super oh underrated in the history of Ozzy because he didn't do a studio record. And a
3: sweetheart of a guy and a weapon on guitar. You're right. And my, my Starbucks buddy every morning, just like Trujillo, when Trujillo got the band, was like my go-to find a, a boxing gym or something to go work out. Yeah, yeah. So Oz, to his credit, Oz and Sharon decided that in order to not use any, like you said, anything canned or pre-recorded... Now, this is 95... So remember sampling and everything wasn't Technology what Technology was. may not have even yeah. been there. Uh, John Sinclair was our keyboard player. I know you know who John is. Uh, John had tried to fire off a couple of samples, but, you know, it's, anybody who understands that knows it has its limitations. Uh, so by the time I got in the band, Sharon calls and says, look, he really wants you to sing live vocals because we knew some of the same people in common. She called around a couple of studios, uh, Keith Olsen, Max Norman, blah, 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 producers, and my name came up a few times. So the next call was to my house, and she said, look, we we're going to be gone for a year. You know, it's this whole world tour. Will you come and do it? And there are very few people that I would go do that for. Honestly, I hate to be a, like, sound like a jerk to say that, but there are very few, and he's one of them. And I said, you know, come on, when am I not going to do that? Yes. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I was on a plane to Copenhagen or Stockholm or something like that. I walked in, did the first sound check. Uh, you know, and
2: what are you being asked to do? Are you being asked to cover lead vocals, sing choruses, do everything, be there on mic the whole time? You're not. You're told you're not going to be seen. You're you're in a booth or something in the back. I wasn't told that initially, but when I got you know in country <laughs> when I when I got to camp, uh, <laughs> whatever you do, do not let this guy be seen. Look at the guy; he's hideous. Uh, <laughs>
3: Well, they, yeah, they they put me behind. If you've ever watched the concert, you see the big sub bass cabinets uh, off to your left. You're in right. a
2: bass cabinet.
3: I was no, I was behind them. <laughs> <laughs> These are the jokes, kids. I don't dance much. It's radio. Uh, yeah, they put me behind the subs. They built me a little ISO booth and uh, a monitor. You know, they asked me, "What do you want to sing through? What do you want to listen through?" You know, I was like, "I'm, e- I'm easy." Give me. So if
2: Ozzy was having a bad night, are you on uh, the lead vocal the whole time? No. Or I, I, what I, are I, you I I doing? Was,
3: I was hired as a background vocalist. Ed, the uh, did Ozzy know?
2: Did that's Ozzy know? It's not even right. <laughs> of course he knew. Who's this blonde guy in the bass cabinet singing with a microphone? Who's the blonde guy? <laughs> the blonde guy. <geezer. laughs> What's going on? Uh, did you have much interaction with
3: Ozzy? Oh, all the time. You yeah. did. First sound check. Okay. Uh, I, I think it was Copenhagen. So I fly in, you know, from Phoenix. Two, three flights and no sleep. And I go to sleep for a few hours. I have a car. I wake up, call, and a car picks me up. on the other side of the world, and I race to the arena, and I walk in. They make me a laminate. You know, you take your picture. you know, on a little Polaroid back in the day and put you yeah. on a laminate. And, uh, and I see Ozzy. He's like, I get a call from Sharon. She says, you don't have to sing the first night if you don't want to. I was like, I kind of know all the songs. I'll do it. It's like, well, okay, but you're here, and it's like an hour before showtime. Just watch the show and enjoy so I did that. I watched the show and I enjoyed. Uh, all right, Ed, you want breaking news that no one's ever heard before? I didn't even say this in the in the LA Weekly, I think, interview last year. That was the first time. All right, I ever trunk talked about nation this. exclusive. Here we go. This is serious and no bullshit. Uh, I'm backstage. I see Randy Castillo, who I know and love for years. Anyway, I'm like, hey, what's up, brother? Uh, I meet geezer Butler, who's on the tour at the time. I'm like, what? I'm on I'm I'm on stage with half a Black Sabbath. Then I get told I'm not on stage. Uh, that's not the joke. All right, that is the joke. But, uh, I walk in and they make me a little booth and and I get a call. I get, you know, I get called into production. I pick up a phone and it's Sharon. She says, I'll paraphrase, Robert, I know we're going to, we're going to pay you for the week. Uh, I'll pay you double. It it turns out it's, everything's going to work out. Everything's fine. Uh, we, we, we don't need you basically. And we're going to, this is honest to God. I had just flown from Phoenix, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix, St. Louis, LaGuardia, Stockholm, Copenhagen. All in one shot. Got off a plane, slept through three hours, woke up. I'm at my first show. She's sending me home. Honest to God. And I said, Sharon, and, and I'm like, you know, like I said, no sleep. And I have a lot of East Coast attitude on me right now. And I said, Sharon, I just flew all this way. Pay me or not, let me do one gig. If I don't do tonight, I'll watch the show. I'll do exactly as you ask. Let me talk to Oz in the morning. Let me do sound check. If you, honest to God, don't want me, let me know tomorrow. Will you do that? And I didn't get a straight answer from her. I was, okay, well, and I thought I was going home. I hung up the phone. I walk in, and clearly, I'm, I, you know, I'll be dead honest, I'm despondent. Sure. And I look and see, and I see Randy. Randy's like, brother, what's, what's going on? I was like, I think I just got the TH, the ticket home. Like I, I don't know, my taking a bus. H- I've
2: never in, heard that before. Come on, is that lingo, is that tour lingo when yes. you fire from a band? The yes. th. Yes, that is when you've been very very D bad. D Snyder's on tour. given people the th before you I can get, tell. We're going to ask <laughs> D you get very, in a minute. We're going to get D Snyder in here, or maybe D's been given the th. I don't know. No. Come on, now. <laughs> he's admiring the art in the House of Blues. Leave the
3: guy alone. My God. So Randy looks at me, goes, "Fuck no," and that's a direct quote from you know my the dear late Randy friend, Castillo. Late yeah, Randy Castillo. He walks in, he's like, right now, you and me, we're going to see the boss. I'm like, all right. I walk in, I see Ozzy, he's like, hey, man. He's like, hey, uh," Randy Randy explains it, because I didn't even know what to say to the guy. First thing out of Ozzy's mouth is, fuck no, can you stay? I'm like, I'm in, I'm staying. I was like, exactly what I I said. He said, do sound check tomorrow, hang out tonight, enjoy the show, I'll talk to you after. And after, we spoke for a minute, and he said, okay, well, I mean you are here let's do sound check. We did sound check the next day we did one song he looks at me two thumbs up he goes you're in
2: and I'm done and I was there for the next year. Oh, amazing. A year with Ozzy behind the curtain Robert Mason that's that's the title of your book behind the <laughs> curtain with Ozzy a year behind the curtain with Ozzy <laughs> Oh my <laughs> god Well, listen, man, um, amazing, amazing stories. Robert's history is incredible. Great singer. Uh, Check out the second Cry of Love record, the stuff he's done with Lynch Mob. Uh, If you want to pull some YouTube videos, maybe you'll hear him in the Aussie. You won't see him, (laughs) but you may hear him a little bit. I hear there are a few. I'm sure there are. And of course, currently fronting Warrant's two great records out, and the current one is called Louder, Harder, Faster, which has just come out. Check it out. And Always playing somewhere, Warren is always playing. As a matter of fact, yeah. a show in uh, Tulsa. You and I are both doing October twenty second. IDL Ballroom has just been announced. Uh, and the Vermont show, Vermont show, yeah. which is coming up, Shrindom, which is September sixteenth in Irisburg, Vermont. Robert and I are like on tour together. It's am- but in all honesty, whenever we're doing gigs, separate nights, hotel rooms though. Yes, when yeah. I see Warren on the bill, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, we're gonna, I, my, my boy's going to be there. We're going to have if
3: I put the dedication on this on this. Uh, Eight by ten of yours. Will Will you just sign it, no matter what I say? Yes. Because I'm having this sucker framed yeah, in my house. Right. Whatever to you want, I'll I... sign <laughs> it. There you okay. go. That's a deal.
2: All right. Listen, we got to take a break. We're late for a break. D. Snyder is standing by, and uh, he is going to be our headliner, closing act today. Last but certainly not least, D. Snyder is joining us for a few minutes here. Coming right back with D. from the House of Blues in Houston.
1: The Eddie Trunk Podcast.
2: Hey, have you guys been watching Leah Remini, Scientology, and the Aftermath? It is a riveting show. A&E's Emmy-nominated groundbreaking docuseries, Leah Remini, Scientology, and the Aftermath. It's back for season number two with all new episodes every Tuesday at 9, 8 central on A&E. Leah Remini's show, Scientology, and the Aftermath follows Leah. Along with high-level former Scientology executives and church members, they delve deep into shocking stories of abuse, heartbreak, and harassment experienced by those who have left the church and spoken publicly about their experiences. This season, Leah continues her quest to give a voice to the victims of the Church of Scientology. This series also explores accounts of former members whose lives have been significantly impacted by the church's practices. Leah Remini is helping people take action, turning survivors into fighters, revealing truths, and seeking justice. Catch up on episodes of the on the AE app and AETV.com. Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, season two, Tuesdays, nine eight central on AE. Hey, my name is James Fetter Gallo. I'm Jimmy Wisman.
1: Please join us every single Tuesday for Crime in Sports. So fun. You like sports? You don't have to. Let's just set up a context and find out what an idiot did wrong. I what like do you it. say? I'm in. We're gonna do that each and every week. We take an athlete, we break him down, we make fun of everything he's ever done. Yeah.
5: But in order to do that, we have to build up and tell you all about their career and get you to what, James? To grace.
1: grace. That's and then right. watch them fall from grace, Who doesn't as they like inevitably that? do. Join us. Big criminals, small yeah. criminals, sports you've never heard of. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's the crime. It's the comedy. It's such a good time. Join us every Tuesday for Crime in Sports. You can join us every Tuesday at podcast1.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on all Apple products. Find us every Tuesday and laugh at people. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
2: All right, one more interview to get on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. These all took place last Thursday in Houston, Texas at the House of Blues. They were all done live for my Serious XM Volume show. And one of the guys that uh, I was able to wrangle and join me for this, who's always a blast to talk to, is D. Snyder, who was completely entertaining, as he always is. We began the conversation because I had been talking to D. About Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon, who was just on my radio show, and we received the REO guys received a Diamond Award for their high infidelity album. Diamond constitutes 10 million copies of an album sold, and we begin talking to D about the fact of uh, a record ever going Diamond, and who knew D actually has a diamond record, or a song on a diamond record. So that's kind of how the conversation begins.
5: You know what I have a diamond record for? Stay Hungry? No. (laughs) How much did Stay Hungry do? Uh, Five million. So you're halfway there. Yeah. No, I have it for Celine Dion. These are special times.
2: Wait, what did Celine
5: do? The, the, The album I have a Christmas song on. Yeah. That I wrote for my wife and Celine recorded. Yeah. It's the biggest selling holiday album in the history of recorded music.
2: What? Wow, it's good to be D. Snyder.
5: So no, yeah, it is. I bought the house, but I wish it was for something, <laughs> something
2: cooler than the magic of Christmas Day.
5: You know, so, well,
2: but you'll, I'll take it. You'll take it. You'll take it for sure. I mean, uh, that's amazing. There's a little fun fact. To, I didn't know you have a song on the Celine Dion record. Yeah,
5: my wife asked me to write her a Christmas song uh, years ago, and I told her she was insane. A medal, she said. Ah, you're classically trained countertenor. You can do it. So for Christmas, I wrote her a Christmas song, and I couldn't even sing it. It was out of my range, and uh, one of the engineers in the studio said, can I have a copy of this? I said, yeah, sure. A number of years later, that engineer is now uh, Grammy Award-winning producer, Rick Wake, and he calls me up. He said, are you sitting down? And I said, uh, yeah, why? He goes, Celine Dion wants to record your wife's Christmas song. I said, does she know who wrote it? <laughs> and he says, I haven't <laughs> told her yet. I said, do not tell her Satan wrote her Christmas song. <laughs> Just put it on the fucking album. <laughs> And uh, is it 14 million
2: copies later? Wow! We call my house the house Saint Celine built. Wow! Uh, thank you, Saint Celine. That so honestly, I mean, not, not getting into your personal finances, but if you ever a song, you have one song on the record, right? Yeah. So you have one song; you're the sole songwriter of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, and it's on a record that sold 10 million copies. 14 million. 14 million. Yeah. I mean, what's the estimate? Return on that for that one. I song. told you
5: we call our house the house Saint Celine built. Isn't that enough? <laughs> but is it and a bungalow or is it a big ass house? <laughs> it's a big ass house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a beautiful thing. Have have you had any of
5: your? And anybody say one bad word about
2: Celine Dion? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Have you had any of the uh, other songs that you've done? I mean, you you wrote all the songs in Twisted Sister. Yeah. Have any of those things gone on to pop up in places you wouldn't expect? I know a lot of stuff's in commercials and stuff.
5: Yeah, okay. SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, okay, I'll tell yeah. you that story. I get a call from my managers. I've got a couple, bunch of stories like that. My manager says, listen, uh, there's a SpongeBob movie coming out, and uh, they want to do I Want to Rock, but they want to change the lyrics and the words to Goofy Goober Rock. I said, are you fucking kidding me, man? This is my fucking music. I fucking my, my life is. It, how much are they going to pay me? Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> they want me to sing it. I'm a goofy goober. Rock. <laughs> Hell yeah! I had like three kids in college at that time. Damn. At the time, that woman's premenopausal medication. It's
2: oh yeah. Yeah, they that wanted one. to use. We're
5: not going to take it.
2: What about the? Stu- I the said.
5: I said, <laughs> give me something I can hold on to. Well, it it helps vaginal dryness. I'm in. <laughs> Because I'm totally against vaginal dryness. Literally and figure. Figure, yes. I think we can all agree on one thing. Men and women alike, we are against fun. vaginal dryness. And if you're a woman listening to this right now going, "Well, I really don't care, give it a few years, honey. you would be shooting dust out of your pooter. You'll be begging for this shit.
2: What song did they use? Don't you
5: dare judge me. <laughs> Gee, what... <laughs> We're not gonna take it, and these moms in these highways shaking use... their fists, going, "We're not gonna take." Yeah,
2: they use. We're not gonna take it as an anthem against vaginal dryness. Yeah, and other premenopausal issues, of course. Holy Christ! I'm that's... doing God's work, Eddie. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Everybody in the audience to saying thank you. You're welcome. What about um? What about what was the carpet one? The the cleaner.
5: Stanley Steamer, Stanley I steamer. fucking put on the rig for that. You were <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> Again, they told me they said, "What?" they want me to do a Stanley. How much? Oh fuck yeah! Where's <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Steamer?
4: <laughs>
5: oh, I'm man. a whore, but I'm an expensive whore. Let's keep that <laughs> be very clear well, about. Easy, that. but not cheap. That's right. Oh
2: my gosh! Did you ever envision when you wrote those songs that they would be turning into what Dude, you just said? If
5: you told me that in 1984 that any of this shit was going to happen, I literally would have punched you in the face.
2: <laughs> Take it
5: back, on metal. <laughs> Christmas song, I don't want no fucking Christmas song. God bless us, everyone.
2: And the Twisted Sister Christmas record is now a perennial favorite. <laughs> Take Absolutely. It back. Well, let me, let me ask you what's going on now in the world of Dee Snyder because I find this very fascinating. You, you put Twisted Sister to bed 40 and fuck it. That was the end of it. 40 years. Yeah. You ended it a year and a half ago about. And I and a lot of other people took that was as. it a year and a half ago? Yeah, probably. A year and, more than a year and a half ago. Danny, a year and a half? year and eight months? Yeah. November. It was November of last year. God. No, really? Yeah, it
5: was November oh, of last year. Oh, I thought year. it was.
2: Okay, so a year and change.
5: In Monterey.
2: Okay. Guys, guys. Oh, wait, it's not... I know, you were what told I- there'd
5: be no math. Okay, it's November, I this. this is Whatever August. Whatever it was. Okay.
2: Twisted Sister to Bed. And I released a solo
5: album instantaneously.
2: Yeah, I'm saying to myself, oh, yeah. Dee's going to just, you know, go do other things. You've done so much other stuff in your career. And then, boom, there's a record, and you're out playing solo shows. I saw your band a couple weeks ago in yeah. Ohio. Yeah. You, got, you just announced a date at the Wellmont in Jersey, I know. You, yeah. You're out there doing stuff. So what, what's going on? Basically... The level of intensity that I
5: performed at with Twisted Sister, which we've talked about many times, yes, I had to stop while I could still s- deliver that before I could no longer deliver that. The headbanging, the thrashing, all that energy, and you once—and i quoted you many times, you said, D, you painted yourself in the corner, where Alice always seemed like a crotchety old dude. He yes. said, so, you know, I'm 18, and he's crawling around the stage. That works great for a 72-year-old dude now. But what I did does not work for a 62-year-old. I mean, it's just too fucking hard to stay in the shape. He's talking about the, the six-pack club. Just to just, just keep that going, just got harder and harder. And I said, I want to stop while people are still smiling and not looking at me saying, oh, remember when he was good? So th- I, everything I'm doing now, there's no more headbanging involved. I mean, my neck just about had it. you know, And with Twisted, I just, I had to stop headbanging. And as long as I'm on stage with Twisted Sister, I just could not perform with that band and just not... Want to feel I had to thrash. So I felt if I stepped out of that, I, I don't know if it just at least I could say, hey, I'm doing some new things, I'm trying some new things, and I'm not, I'm not in Twisted Sister, I'm D Snyder now. And people seem to be, I'm looking at my Asian and, and co manager over there, See, people seem to be cool with it, and I'm cool with it because for some reason without having that big TS
2: hanging over my head, I don't feel this obligation to get out there and just start doing that you know well see that's the thing that's what i found interesting about it because I, that's what i meant when i said that you painted yourself in a corner because d snider is synonymous with a lot of things writing great songs and and being still a powerhouse vocalist but maybe more so than anything people mention when you bring up the name d snider is the stage performance is the go- one- inspirational to me yeah i mean to, to many for real to many one of the great front men and you do, yeah. you Yes, thank you yeah <laughs> Got a golf clap for you here in Houston, I appreciate okay? it. <laughs>
5: those who aren't clapping haven't seen me, but you missed it. You missed it. it but that's great. the
2: thing is, is like, you don't want to be one of those guys. And I've, I've, I've always said this and I really believe it. As much as I love artists, as much as I love these musicians that I grew up with, I would much rather see them end respectfully than say, oh, my God, he can't do it anymore. He's, he's, he can't sing. He can't move. It's a joke. It's, it's the boxer that goes out as world champ. As, as I didn't want to, to have
5: that Mike Tyson moment where you're crawling around Thank all fours looking for your mouthpiece. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget that image in my head. That's not the lasting image. I never want that. There are those film footage of Babe Ruth playing with... I don't know who they traded him to, but when he left the Yankees, and he's literally walking around the bases because he can he can no longer run at all. So, I mean, historic, You know, so I did not want to ever have... That happened, and now, like I said, separate from Twisted Sister, people are coming down and going, "Well, he's not as intense as he was." uh, You know, I'm hopeful that people go, "Well, that was Twisted Sister." You know, someone said, "I wish I could remember." I think it was Wednesday. Is Wednesday 13 right for one of those rock magazines? One of those guys? Maybe. Yeah, one of those guys does. And if it's not Wednesday, uh, and he said, "When a reunion show is good, it makes you feel young again. But when it's bad, it makes you realize how old you've gotten. Yeah. And, and I, when I, before Twisted Reunited, I saw UFO. So that was like 2000, 1999, when Michael Shanker was with him? The, he was back from 95 to like 99. Okay. Yeah. So right around that time. And I was like a freaking kid. I was fighting my way to the front. I, was, I felt like I was in high school. Was it weekend. at the limelight? It was at the limelight. I was there too. So. They look great. They play great. And I even followed her. I said, Suzette, we're going to go to the next town to see them. And she said, what are you, fucking 16? I said... You were. I I, I went. I had to go see the next show. Because they made me... And so when Twisted reunited, I said, that's how I want people to feel. I don't want them to ever look up there and go, damn, we've gotten old. You know? And I I just had to, after 40 years... And I love the guys at Twisted. Still friends. And we ended on a great note. and, And I love those guys. And the legacy. And with the release of we are twisted fucking sister where people got to know the road that how hard we fought for where we got I, you know i just felt it was a good time to to end it you
2: know? it's uh, by the way if you guys have not seen that documentary it is a must watch we are twisted fucking sister you can get it on netflix whatever and i'll tell you a guy like me i mean i have lived in new jersey my whole life i remember hearing the stories about twisted sister on the club scene i just had a conversation with mark tornillo on this show a couple days ago about the tt the, the t- t- quick days and him saying how you know the bills that he shared with you guys and yep. twisted oh, back yeah. in the day and it, it, it was legend, and I was just on the cusp of being too young to have made the shows and seen it. Right. So having that documentary out to really put you because because people talk about the club scene now and like mark said the other day he goes no 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 there is no scene now anywhere close to where it was when twisted sister and white tiger and tt yeah. T. quick and this scene on the just in to East hear coast. the
3: ads on radio yeah as a kid or Ari, well now, yeah
2: it was
5: it was a different time man oh, the 18 yeah. year old drinking age you got that prime rock audience sneaking into bars and it'd be, we played with thousand to four thousand people a night, five nights a week. I remember during the day in Seaside Heights, walking up on the on the boardwalk and seeing at the Chatterbox,
3: seeing Twisted Sister on oh, yeah. the marquee, and trying to look through the the big glass doors in there, being too young to get me in the too. bar. and
5: Hero he, out in the rain.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: No, I mean, if, and you know, my favorite thing is I get people who very sort of like carefully come up to me and go, "I just want to say." I was never really a fan of your band, but I saw your documentary, and then and it'll shake my hand. Just for this, just this, what you guys went through, how hard you fought, you have my respect. Yeah. And that alone, you don't got to be a fan of the band to watch that video and get something out of it. That was the inspiration, not the video, the documentary, from the guy, documentarian. So when he heard the story of the 10 years the band was together before the world found out about us in 84 where the fuck you going, man? Sit your ass down. Uh, oh, he wants to get better sound in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Glory, look for the glory hole. It's
2: old Mo in the back. He's got no teeth, but it's beautiful. But that's a great point because the documentary ends. Just before the band breaks. Usually documentaries tell the story of the big multi-platinum record. This this tells the story of everything before that, which I think is, is incredibly interesting. We gotta take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have a few more minutes left in the show, a few more minutes with Dee Snyder. I want to talk a little bit more with Dee about what he's doing right now because he did release this record. We are the ones. He is out touring with the new band. And we'll get a little bit about that and a few more things. If we have time, I'll squeeze in a call. Coming right back with a little bit more here from Houston with D Snyder. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Ah, oh, yes, True Car. I've told you guys about them many, many times. They are awesome when you're looking to buy a car. What are you looking for? You want to make sure you get real pricing on actual inventory, right? A lot of times, this isn't the case. People configure cars online, and then they only find out later that they're not available. Waste of time, that is, right? True Car gets you real pricing on actual inventory. It's not pricing offered by True Car, but pricing from an actual dealer, and not just any dealer, but a True Car certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And now you know what a fair price is. So you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There's over 13,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide, and you will work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact. True Car users, well, they're more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car Certified Dealers. And True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features, they're not available in all states. Hey, it's Steve Austin. Have you checked out the Steve Austin Show? I got family-friendly episodes on Tuesdays, and I let it all fly on Unleashed every Thursday. So get to podcast1.com or iTunes to listen and subscribe. And that's the bottom line, because I said so.
1: This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
2: So we're talking a little bit off the air with Dee for a second here. A couple things to catch up on before we have to wrap up the show. Um, this, so this band, you have a new band as well. Tell everybody about your band, because you've got, I met her the other day in Houston. You've got a female bass player, right? Yeah,
5: Tanya. From uh, Germany or yeah, something? Yeah, I call TKO. No, she's Irish. Irish, okay. Tanya O'Callaghan. And uh, she. when I walked into the room, I said, we got a girl bass player. And, and I'll quote my wife on this one, because she said, I don't, Who's making that sound? There's this this girly girl up there on stage, and I hear thunder coming out of her amp. And uh, she plays like thunder, but she looks like a girl. As opposed to sometimes you get... I'm not saying all girls in bands, but some that are on the borderline. (laughs) (laughs) We got a chick on bass. We can talk about this. Uh Pat? I wasn't sure. <laughs> not that Robert wrong. Mason just put coffee through his nostrils. <laughs> not that there's anything but wrong D. with. But Dee just did that for me, so I'm, <laughs> yes. pr- I'm privileged. From you. the guy who wore women's clothing, <laughs> uh, I can say things like that. But anyway, yeah. So I, I wanted a, my new record, "We Are the Ones," is a more mainstream rock record, drawing a lot of. I have a lot of punk influences that people may or may not realize, uh, and it's, it's driven from there a lot. And I put together a whole new band, and I wanted the band to be striking. I didn't want people to see a bunch of dudes dressed in black with long hair that looked like they might have been in Twisted Sister at one point. So the band was, I had a peacock on one guitar for a while, another guy wearing a derby, and this girl, Tanya, with blonde and black hair, wearing a dress and playing like thunder. And so I got some great, uh, great musicians. And I've been out doing that. And I do, you know, and live, it's tough. I go out there, I do five or six new songs a set, which ain't easy. Well, because
2: in, in the past you've talked about, and even on your own radio show, I believe, you've talked about the fact that it's very difficult to get people to care about new music. Oh, for yeah. Classic bands. You were outspoken about that at one point. Oh, I'm outspoken
5: on stage. I open the show and I go. I'm here, I've got new, I have a new album, I'm going to play some of your old favorites, I got some surprises, i don't play new music, but I'm not telling you motherfuckers when I'm doing a new song, because the minute I say it's a new song, you got to go take a piss. And it's like, and I saw Elton John talking about this, not in those terms, but he said he was nervous about the new tour because he had new music, and he says... And he says, the minute you say, here's a new one, the faces just go blind. And the
2: bathroom line backs and the, up. And
5: people just say, "Hey, Bobby, you need a burger? I'm going to get a couple of beers. <laughs> I said, I see you motherfuckers streaming out of the place. So I don't even announce the new song. That's how I start the set. I say, I'm not going telling tell you when a new song's coming up. Just, you'll just... Fuck you.
2: <laughs> so somewhere between we're not going to take it and I, and, and I want to rock, you might get these two songs. Like you, you should almost go into a new song and say, just so you know, right after this, I'm going to play Under the Blade. Yeah, so that's, just, that's good. <laughs>
5: yeah, I'm, actually, I, I am a, I'm a good set writer, so I hit them with something new, and then I you know, give them something familiar they know. Then I hit them with something new and something familiar they know.
2: And so. you did a brilliant... Uh, take uh, re- uh, for pe- I'm sure many people have heard it by now, but a totally different take on "We're Not Going to Take It." Uh, that's on the record. Yeah, which was originally done for charity, right?
5: No, it actually wasn't. I actually, uh, when we were in the studio, the idea came up to to do something just that would show the rawness in my voice because my voice is still strong, but man, I got some fucking miles on it. And when you hear it, just stripped away the music, you just hear this. The voice of the ages, you know, I've been through some shit, <laughs> you know. So uh, we did this stripped version of We're Not Gonna Take It. And before it was released, Chris Angel called me to help him out with his children's. Uh, he's fighting, his, his, his two year old has leukemia, and he started a, children, a children's uh, fund to fight uh, children's cancer. And I said, hey, you know, I got this version of We're Not Gonna Take It, I think it might be good for this cause. And I said it to him, and he said, dude, can we do a video? Uh, this is just so amazing. And the video went viral with millions and millions of hits. And I do that live, but I go into the regular version of when I could take it. I also have this song called So What, which is on the 10th song on the record. And I end, it's a very stripped down song. It's the last song I do of the night. And so it's just, and it's, it's, it is just for all the people who are so. F- fucking sick and tired of what's going on in this fucking world. It just seems to get worse every fucking day, and I'm 62 years old, and I'm still screaming about it. I've been screaming about it my whole fucking life. you know. And I'm not one of these people that this world sucks, but I'm one of these people that I'm not going to fucking go quietly. I'm not going to shut the fuck up. Fuck you. I am here. Pay fucking attention. And I've always wanted to be a voice for the masses because... The masses, a lot of times their voices aren't heard. We, the, I said the true silent majority is the majority. And they need a we're not going to take it as a battle cry so they can raise their fists in the fucking air air and get pissed off. And this new song I've got on the record called So What? And I did a video as well by the the Dakota Pipeline. I went there Mm -hmm. when that was going on. And um, that's another song like that, so check that out. But we
2: wanted to talk about... Ja-
5: uh, Jamie Josta.
2: Well, we got about two, three minutes. First of all, you talked about Jamie Josta approaching you to possibly do a hardcore album.
5: Yeah, I say hardcore. You, know, we were t- you said, that's not hardcore. He wants me to do like a record like Halford's first record, re- uh, solo, Resurrection.
2: Resurrection. A po- it's kind of like a power metal record.
5: Yeah, power metal. And he said, look, if I want to get Zach Wild, I want to get all the people in this community, the true heavy hitters, to write songs for Dee Snyder and have you voice them. And I said, all right. I like a fucking challenge. To me, that's a challenge. Something new. You know, they say, uh, say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, hoping for a different result. That was 40 years of Twisted Sister. I loved it, <laughs> but it was never going to change. I had to break away from there to do something new, to do something different. So I said, Jamie, let's go. So is it,
2: it's in production, or he's I'm, looking at he it? Said,
5: he said, I'm challenging you. I said, I accept the challenge. What's next? He said, all right. Now, so right now he's scrambling because he any, thought I'd say no. He's never going to agree to if this. Any, <laughs> he's never, he's
2: never, he'll never go watch it? Right. Okay. If anybody has learned anything in the decades of D. Snyder, it's that you don't challenge him to anything. <laughs> don't dare this just guy. Ask, just ask Paul Stanley. <laughs> Robert, Mason up, Robert Mason brought up the book. Kill him, me Shut today. up and give me the mic. Yes, big fan. Which back I read each. as well, which is a great book. Would you like to do another book at some point? You know what? Somebody
5: said, what about the... I, I, Shut Up and Give Me the Mic was kind of the same deal as uh, the We Are Twisted Fucking Sister, which was, it was sort of the story of a young man trying to make it, and then making it and losing everything, and then struggling back to come back. But then everybody said, well, but what about now? What about all the things you've been doing since then? Because I kind of stopped after things got back together in the 90s. And I said, well, that's the next book. So I'm not done writing that book. I mean, living that book, I should say. So I don't know. I'm too busy writing movies and creating TV shows. I've got four television shows in production, in development, uh, children's animated show, horror-driven television shows, a rock and roll-driven television show, new screenplays. i am got to get the fuck out of here. House of Hair, Uh, you got uh, the whole radio show. I'm too busy. D
2: is the king of all media. Uh, <laughs> second to Stern. Howard's going to hear this. Second to Stern. Out. Well, my thanks to D. Snyder, who is always a lot of fun. And, man, that was a hysterical conversation from D. I mean, so much fun. And, of course, also thanks to Robert Mason. And thank you to Stephen Piercy uh, for joining me on what was a really fun radio show. And if you have Sirius XM, maybe you heard the complete thing. And, of course, uh, a fun podcast, too. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing what you heard of it here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is, of course, new every Thursday, podcastone.com and on iTunes. And, of course, the radio interviews come from my show on volume, which is live Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Channel 106, and you can hear the show live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. It replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And full shows also on demand on the SiriusXM app. Thank you to Katie Irizari for putting it all together. Thank you guys for listening. And, uh, hey, don't forget, I've got my own store on Amazon. Whenever you shop on Amazon, make sure you go to my storefront, amazon.com slash shop slash trunk. Some of the items I handpicked to put in the store are right there on the homepage. Whatever you're buying on Amazon, start on that page. Look at my handpicked items and go from there. Again, Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk, the official Eddie Trunk store on Amazon.com. Thank you for checking that out. All right, social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the website. See you next Thursday for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
0: Sir will, who wrote this for me, because clearly we all know I can't write just books, not a paragraph. <laughs> so I could tell you to listen to my podcast, Brandy Glendale Unfiltered. You have to listen to it. We have tons of fun talking to a lot of different celebrities, comedians, Emmy-nominated writers, reality stars, Teresa Judice. I Can Never Say It Right, and Duranda Medley, who I love, love, love and we text. And, you know, from Real Housewives of New York, from Jersey, from the Shells of Sunset at Asa Sultan. So get your act together and download new episodes of Brandy Glambo Unfiltered every Friday on this podcast One app or Apple podcast. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around, with nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.